Welcome to the Reaching Forward Podcast. My name is Pastor Adam Bigelow, and let's look at Galatians chapter 6. We're studying on the vision of freedom in the book of Galatians that Paul has written to the churches in the area of Galatia, and really the Holy Spirit has given to us. And in chapter 6, we're going to be dealing with freedom's work. Lord, bless this Bible study, we pray that it would meet the needs and hearts that are searching for answers to this life with your word and by your spirit in Christ's precious name. Freedom's work. Now, this is not work to be free, because that would kind of be ironic to the Bible study, right? A vision of freedom. But it's work done by free people, because you are free. When you get saved, right? You don't just go to heaven. (laughs) You're still here. Well, why am I still here? Galatians chapter 6. This is going to answer hopefully some questions that you have about why didn't I just pray and and get translated up to heaven like Scotty beaming me up. Saint Scotty, beam me up. But you're still here. You're here because of freedom's work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul said, by the, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul was saved by grace, not by circumcision or some facet of the law of Moses, but it said that after he got saved, he went to work for Jesus. Now here's some good advice for a job interview, right? Tell them you're willing to give 110% unless you're applying to be a statistician. <laughs> you know, someone accused my road worker brother of stealing from his job and I refused to believe it. But when I got home and looked in his room, all the signs were there. That was bad, right? So I went for an interview and they told me that I was hired. I'd make $2,000 a month and after six months I would get a raise and make $3,000 a month. And I said, that's awesome. I will start in six months. (laughs) Okay, one more. Bill walks into his boss's office and says, boss, I'll be straight with you. I know the economy isn't that great with COVID and all, but I got three companies that are after me right now and I would like to respectfully ask for a raise. After a few minutes of haggling, the boss finally agrees to give him a 5% raise. And Bill happily gets up to leave and the boss says, wait wait a minute, by the way, which three companies are after you? I'm curious. Bill says the electric company, the water company, and the phone company. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of Pastor McMuffin? No, this is serious. You can look him up on the news. Reverend James Hodges was a preacher in many states. He began preaching at the age of 14. He stuttered and he was told that he'd never be successful in the pulpit. Watch out when people tell you that, right? But his son said when he got up to preach, he never stuttered once. Reverend Hodges and his wife traveled as evangelists and sang together while he played the guitar in every state from Michigan down to where I live in Florida. He served as a preacher in many states and preached and pastored until 10 years ago. When he was 85, he could no longer preach. But he took to talking to people about Jesus Christ at 
you guessed it, McDonald's. He got his coffee and his chicken sandwich and he would talk to people and write sermons for hours. He would even go to the parking lot if someone needed healing there. After doing this for years, he became known by his family members as Pastor McMuffin or the McDonald's chaplain. What was he doing? Well, he couldn't preach anymore, but he knew that there was something in his heart to work for this Jesus that he met so many years ago. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6. First of all, verses 1 to 3, the work of heavy lifting. So let's work at, look at the work of heavy lifting. Verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We deal with lifting up the fallen. Everyone that you meet is going through a crisis. Do you know that? They might not show it on the outside, but we can hide things pretty well, right? Now, we're not talking about a fault of doctrine or teaching or an accuracy of God's word. We're not talking about someone who's in, in sin and they're rebellious and they just want, but just a brother, a sister, someone who's kind of overwhelmed by life. Have you ever tripped up and fallen spiritually? Paul explains how the fallen are to be treated. There's a, a pastor for a church called the Dream Center. His name is Matthew Barnett, and he has a slogan, which is pretty neat. He said, find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and fill it. My daughter and I walk around, and my daughter's six, and, and I live in Florida, so we see worms, and they'll cross from the grass across a sidewalk and try to get to the other side or maybe they just don't know what they're doing they're worms right well as it gets hot the sidewalk gets really hot in florida and so a worm will start its journey across the sidewalk and not make it so my daughter has seen me pick up more than a few worms and kind of throw them into the grass from the sidewalk because i didn't think they were going to make it and I remember one time she said, Daddy, there's a worm. And she'll begin to point out worms. And preacher, why do you throw worms into the grass? Mercy. Mercy. You see, sometimes people need mercy. You know, the top two commandments are to love God and love others because people desire to love. But you know, when someone's down, they need to be loved. And you know what? That might be us the next day. We might need help. Let's remember. Verse 2, lifting up the struggling. When you perceive others, everyone is going through a crisis, then you look at them through a different lens, won't you? You'll treat them differently. Verse 2 says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It wasn't it Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 4 to 6. It says, surely he hath Born our griefs. Jesus was a burden bearer, but it said he bore our burdens. And it begins to tell about the things that he carried for us. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know that I'm thankful that some people, they, they look down on other people, but other people, they want to bear their burdens. It says, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, 
he deceiveth himself. You know, we can get proud real easy. I was at Home Depot, and my folks live in the north, and I, I heard this guy's accent, I think, and he was from the north, and then I guess he thought like we were on the same side, like the northern people are smart, and the southern people, you deduct points for their accent or something. So he began to kind of mock southern people, and he, he used a phrase like, get her done, and he said, you know, the southern people, you know, aren't as bright. No, I'm not saying I believe that. That's what he said. And so I said, yeah, you're right, you know, southern people and this and that and the other. And so I said, what is that stuff called that deaf people read? And I held my hand up and kind of scrawled across my hand. And he looked at me and he said, you know, the smart guy from the north, he said, Braille. I said, "Uh, nope, that's what blind people read. And then I turned around and left. (laughs) You know, when we get proud and we think ourselves, man, I'm something. Take heed, ye that think ye stand, lest ye fall. You see, we're a big zero when we think we're something, when we're nothing. We need the love of God. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said in verse uh, chapter 13 and verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or the agape love of God. He said, I am nothing. Nothing. I was buying some bananas and some curry today. And you don't eat them together, but I was buying them together. And I put the pin code in and I only typed in three out of the four numbers, right? And so I hit clear. Ding, 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 ding. And, uh. The lady kind of said, one of the ladies like, well, what's going on? What's wrong? I said, well, I, I, I missed one of the numbers when I was typing my pin in. And I said, three out of four doesn't get it, right? Three out of four is zero. Now, you can have great faith. You can have great prophecy. You can have great knowledge and understand all mysteries. But if you forget the love of Jesus Christ, if you forget the love of Jesus Christ, then you're missing something. And you're zero. The Bible says in verse 4, But let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. You know, we all need to look for his or her well done from the master. Everyone's not always going to praise you when you serve God. Not everyone's going to tell you, good job, in the gospel work. In fact, (laughs) the Bible says that uh, they that will live godly, we're going to find... We're going to find persecution. Beware, the Bible says, but everyone's saying, good job. So we need to make sure that we're serving a different master. We're serving Jesus. Not public opinion, not Twitter or Facebook saying, you're awesome, I like, and thumbs up, and everything else. Verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. You know, another's praise won't sustain you even in this life. Another's life won't sustain you in death. You know, some things another cannot do for you. We have to do what God called us to do. There's something that uh, no one can do for you. You have to do it yourself. You have to serve God yourself. You have to do things spiritually. You have to pray for yourself. You know, someone can pray for you, but only you can pray for yourself. Verse 6 deals with supporting the ministry Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth teacheth 
in all good things. That word communicate means to financially support. You know, if the enemy cannot support or stop the gospel by force, you know, by law, he can stop it another way by cutting off the material support for the church. By the devil saying, oh, you don't need to give your tithe to your local church. You don't need to pay your tithe. You don't need to give in the offerings. That's someone else's job, or it's not for us today. Brethren, it's for us today, and it's the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it's gospel work. Verse 11, Paul said, If we have sown unto you spiritual things... Is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Paul was saying that in, in verse 14, he said, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. They that run a restaurant live of the food that they sell in the restaurant. It's the way that God works before even the law of Moses. God used tithes and offerings. A tithe is simply a tenth of your gross income. That's what it means, a tenth. And it belongs to the Lord. An offering is whatever God lays on your heart. There's no denomination for an offering. Abraham and Jacob paid tithes in Genesis before the law of Moses. It's not a law of Moses thing. During the law of Moses, God used tithes and offerings. But after the law of Moses... God used the same thing he used before the law of Moses, tithes and offerings. We are children of Abraham, and no New Testament scripture presents a substitute program for tithing. So if you want to be a blessing, pay your tithes. If you want, to be, if you want your church to stay open, man, pay your tithe. Give in the offering. Support the gospel work. Amen. Verse 7 to 8, you harvest what you plant. Isn't that the way that it is? You know, have you heard that some people like to, to sow their wild oats for six days a week and then, on this, then they come to church and they pray for a crop failure. But the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap the flesh. And that includes all the religious things. If I sow you know, uh, circumcision and the law of Moses and uh, some kind of uh, uh, church ritual, I'm not going to reap a heavenly thing, am I? I've got to sow a spiritual thing. Jesus in John chapter 3, talking to a man named Nicodemus, starting in verse 3, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, he was puzzled and he said, well, can you jump back into your mom's womb? And Jesus said, no. He said, he said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, because Nicodemus was probably marveling, that I said unto thee, you must be born again. God said we've got we've to sow or plant spiritual things. You know, we need to plant spiritual things in our family. We need to plant prayer. And, and let me, let me uh, share this with you. Why don't you plant good thoughts, speak good things 
about people that you know in Christ. Instead of harboring, say, you know what? God, thank you for your faithful people. God, thank you for the goodness of your people. God, and instead of letting the devil put, uh, you know, critical thoughts in your head, why don't you speak spiritual things? Why don't you speak blessings in your heart, in your mind to people around you? You'll treat them different. Verses 9 to 11, surety of the harvest. You know what you plant is going to come up. And verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, it doesn't immediately pop up. Only weeds pop up immediately, right? But it takes a while for crops and fruits and especially trees, right, to grow. But in due season they'll grow and they'll reap a harvest. I I like it says, Be not weary in well-doing. There was a preacher many years ago named George Whitfield, and he said, Lord Jesus, I'm not... He said, he said, I'm weary in thy work, but not of it. I like that. That means he's physically tired, but in his heart, he wanted to do what God wanted to do. You know, there's a good weary. That's a day well spent in the right work and the right mind and the right spirit. A day when you look back and when you climb into bed, you got no regrets. Even if you didn't get everything done, you can do it tomorrow, right? as you drift off into sweet sleep. That bad weary, it it, it means basically to lose heart. We don't need to be weary in well-doing. God will bless us. All things work together for good. The Bible says we know it. Verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Let's be part of a blessing. Especially unto them, listen, who are of the household of faith, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a blessing to, you can, you can show blessings unto the poor. You can show blessings unto people that don't know God. Don't neglect the house of God. Don't neglect the people of God. Jesus saw people as an opportunity, not as an obstacle. You know, people are going to give you your greatest opportunities <laughs> and also your greatest challenges, right? But they're going to give you your greatest rewards. Your kids are going to give you your greatest headaches, but they're going to give you your biggest smiles. Jesus died for the sins of man. But notice, but the love of God for man took Jesus to the cross. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, that's you and me. That's you driving in your car. Even if you're grumpy, you're the joy of Jesus. You're the one he was looking for that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Be not weary. Verse 11, ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. Paul was saying, look at all that I've written unto you. I care about you too, ye in Galatia. Or me preaching, ye in Jacksonville. I care about you to show that God cares about you. God cares about the big things in your life and the little things in your life. God cares. You're not alone. Verses 12 to 13, we got a week show. A week show. You ever saw someone had a week show? Verse 12, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Here's that law of Moses. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, 
That's why they instituted sacrifices in the Old Testament, because people couldn't keep the law, right? And there were a lot of sacrifices going on. But desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. They just want to show you as a convert to show that there's somebody great. It's like, I have this many followers on my church, you know, whatever law of Moses account. But they wanted men and women just to be like, well, I have this many people following my teachings. But the law of Moses never got anyone saved. But what about the greatest show, verses 14 to 16? Let me tell you what we should be involved in. And not getting people to follow us, but getting people to follow Jesus. Verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. That's our greatest glory. What? Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Verse 15, the greatest message, for in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 17, the greatest mark. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. I guess he was just done with it. Paul's like, Get out of my face. You ever told someone to, th- to do that? Get out of my face. Paul said from henceforth, get out of my face. That's not what he said, but he, he said, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And then he said, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. What a positive, powerful end. But Paul said, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. In 2 Corinthians, Paul lists all of his sufferings for Christ. Verse 23 to 28, uh, he said he begins to talk about being uh, beaten and being in prison and receiving stripes, beaten with rods, stoned, being in shipwreck, a day and the night, being in the deep in journeyings and perils of robbers, in painfulness and hunger and thirst, he was marked. What was he? He was marked with actually bruises and scars. But let me tell you, it really showed that he loved Jesus Christ because it didn't stop him from preaching. And let me tell you, not that you have to have the scars of Jesus Christ, but the marks that all believers can have are the love of Christ. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Galatians, a vision of freedom. Chapter 1, the source of freedom. Chapter 2, freedom stand. Chapter 3, the blessing of freedom. Chapter 4, going back to freedom. Chapter 5, the walk of freedom. Chapter 6, freedom's work. Remember Pastor McMuffin from the beginning? That's a real guy. He died at the age of 95 on June 16th, 2020. But you know, just like David in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, Pastor McMuffin, it says, For David... After he had served his own generation, by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. It says that David served. David served his own generation. And David served his own generation by the will of God. Pastor McMuffin, 
He served his own generation. He served his own generation by the will of God. And, you know, he's laid down. and He's no longer with us. But you are. So if you've gotten the vision of freedom and God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and you're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his dear son, what is the work that God has called you to do? Not to be saved, but because you are. Get your vision of freedom in Christ. Let me, let me challenge you. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're, maybe you're praying. I've got some extra time with COVID. Find your purpose in this life and serve your generation. Serve your generation by the will of God. God bless you is our prayer, a vision of freedom. God's got something for your life. Amen.